Well, I'm continuing a series I started last week called Revival, Signs, Miracles, and Changed Lives. And we're looking at the ministry of Jesus, the impact that he had on everyone that he touched. He had such an amazing impact. Last week, we looked at a passage where Jesus ministered healing and deliverance to two individuals who were demon-possessed. On the heels of that, we come to a place in Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Let me begin. It says, Jesus climbed into a boat, and he went back across the lake to his own town. And some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. And seeing their faith, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, as we continue to study the ministry of Jesus Christ and the impact that he had during his earthly ministry, and even now, God, I pray that you touch hearts here in this room, in the sanctuary, in the courtyard, Lord. Uh, with those who are watching online right now, many people have needs, concerns. Lord, I pray that you touch their heart right now as we study your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I'm going to back up and read that verse one more time. Matthew 9, verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus climbed into a boat and he went back across the lake to his own town. And some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to them, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Here's what happened. The man jumped up, and he went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for giving humans such authority. The distinctive message of Christianity is the reality that our sins can be forgiven. That, that's really the lifeblood of who we are as believers. That's the lifeblood of the gospel that, that men and women can be freed, set free from their sin. And listen, from the consequences of that sin. So, so far we've been going through uh, different miracles that Jesus has done. And we've seen the impact that he's had on people's lives we picked up and started the series in chapter 8 of Matthew. And, and we saw first that, that uh, Jesus healed a leper in Matthew, the first part of the chapter 8, verse 3. And then he went from there and he heals a centurion's servant without even having seen that afflicted person. From a distance, Jesus healed this centurion's servant. And, and then... Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and every time I think of that, I can't get this picture out of my head. I don't know what you think of the, the series, The Chosen. I rather like it, but there's the one episode where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. He goes to Peter's house, 
And Peter's mother-in-law, she's in the back room and she's sick. She's, she's at death's door. And he goes in, Jesus goes in and he heals her. And what's amazing about that is she gets up and prepares everybody dinner at that point and takes care of them. It's, it's really remarkable. But after that miracle, Jesus uh, demonstrates his power and authority over the spiritual kingdom of Satan. We studied that. We looked at that. He cast out demons. And last week, he uh, dealt with two individuals who were demon-possessed. We looked at that passage in Matthew where he cast out legion of demons, many demons into a herd of, of pigs, of swine. And so now we've got a, a, a Lord and Savior who heals diseases, changes people's lives, has power over Satan. He even has authority over the natural world. He can calm storms. How many of you, don't raise your hand please, how many of you are going through a storm right now in your life? Did you know that Jesus can calm that storm? So I want to focus in on, uh, first and foremost, just this authority that Jesus had to forgive sins. Jesus' power to forgive sins is demonstrated. And we see that in, in verse 1 of chapter 9. I'm going to read it again. Some people brought to him, they brought a paralyzed man on a mat. You know, they didn't have wheelchairs and, and things like that like we do. This individual, whoever he was, he was paralyzed. We don't know if he was a paraplegic or what. But his friends brought him they cared about him and they brought him to Jesus and, and seeing it says seeing their faith Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man and this kind of blows my mind and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes but the first thing Jesus says is be encouraged my child your sins are forgiven so here's an individual he's disabled and during Jesus's time this individual was looked down on because they associated the disability, the fact that he was paralyzed, with sin. They just made the assumption that this man was a sinner. And that's why he had that affliction of being a paralytic. That's just how they thought. That's the connections they made. And so those who had handicaps, uh, they suffered social stigma, certainly, uh, in Jesus' day. This was an issue, and yet Jesus receives this individual with such grace and such love. And, but he acknowledges this man's friends, seeing their faith, seeing their faith, seeing their faith. They carried this man on a mat to Jesus, seeing their faith. These individuals, these friends of this man who's paralyzed, I really believe with all my heart that they didn't think that, well, maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus can heal our friend. I don't believe they thought that way. I don't believe that they thought that, you know, there might be a slim possibility, a slim possibility. We've been watching Jesus. We've heard stories about him. There may be a slim possibility that, that Jesus can heal our friend here who's paralyzed. No, I really believe they came to Jesus knowing that Jesus would save this man, this friend of theirs, this individual who needed to be healed. They knew that. And the reason I feel that way and the reason I feel so strongly about that is what Jesus said, seeing their faith. 
It doesn't say seeing their doubt, seeing the possibilities. It doesn't say that. Seeing their faith. These individuals, seeing their faith, bringing this man through the crowd. I don't know if you've ever carried a, a person before. Those of you who have cared for your loved ones, that's not an easy task. And listen, I commend you. They carried their friend. They carried their friend to Jesus. And Jesus, seeing their, their, their faith. I, I like in the Gospel of Luke, same story. Luke gives you the impression that they were rude. It's like, hey, my friend needs healing. We've got to get to Jesus. We're going to get to Jesus any way we can. I know I've got a tea time. I know the kids got soccer, but I'm going to go see Jesus because I need him. I need him in my marriage. I need him in my family. I don't know if you just heard that little message there. <laughs> Nothing would stop them. They went to the Lord. They went to where they knew they'd receive help. They went to where they knew a miracle would happen. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus speaks words of life. That's a phrase that I've adopted. I don't remember the first time I heard it, but speaking life. Believers, you and I have the ability, we have the opportunity at so many junctures in life and, and, and encounters with people, we have that ability to speak life. You know, it's always easy to say, you know, that dress doesn't look that great on you. Have you put on some weight? You know, hey, your hair's growing back, way back. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. And I know we're familiar with each other, but let's not do that. Let's speak words of life. You know, the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. What we say, I mean, it, it can encourage or it can cripple. Isn't that right? Would you agree with that? I don't know if you grew up in a home where you got all kinds of fostering and, and encouragement and uplifting, and maybe you didn't. Maybe you were ridiculed. Maybe you experienced a very negative childhood where you were put down. Whatever the case, you know, you know right now what I'm saying is true. Words of encouragement, words of life certainly encourage us to do the things we didn't think we could do. Amen? And so Jesus speaks words of life. The very first words he speaks to this man who's carried to him is, be encouraged, my child. Be encouraged. It's like, I don't know what this guy was thinking, but it's like, dude, I've been paralyzed my whole life. I'm not very encouraged right now. But then again, he may be thinking, this is my chance. My friends had enough faith to carry me this distance through this crowd to this man who we heard so much about. Jesus says, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. And listen, I want to be accurate here in, in my communication and in my teaching and in my delivery of God's word. In the original text, the original, in fact, there are a few versions, translations of the Bible that are more accurate than others. One of them that I really like was, for years, my favorite, the New American Standard. Word for word is probably the most accurate. Equal to that now is a, is a, a translation called the English Standard Version. I happen to be reading this morning out of the New Living Translation. I love that. 
as well because it's easy to read, it's easy to understand, but to be accurate now. Jesus said, be encouraged, but to be accurate, what he really said is, take courage. Take courage, my child. Your sins are forgiven. No, knowing the man was fearful that is that it may be overcome possibly even with sin, Jesus uses the phrase, take courage. Now, tharseo means to take courage, but it refers to a subjective courage. It's deep, it's genuine, but it's a contrast to the word talmeo. Talmeo refers to an outward boldness. What I mean by that, talmeo means it's kind of like if you're walking down a dark alley. How many of you have walked down a dark alley before? Or you've walked, maybe you're tent camping, and the outhouses are over there, and you're in bear country, right? And you've got to go. That's as nice as I could say that in church. And so you walk to the facilities that are always so nice, right? And you walk there, and it's at night, and you're hearing noises. And what do you do? You start whistling. You whistle because that's like, hey, I'm not afraid. And you start whistling. It's, it's a courage. Talmeo's a courage that you muster up. Actually, that's the word that Jesus uses here when he says take courage. But what in actuality Jesus is saying is this courage that I am telling you about is an elimination of fear. It's an elimination of fear. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid because you no longer have anything to be afraid of. That's what it's like when you have faith in the Lord. God gives us a, a, a power, a strength, the ability to tap into not being afraid. Over the last three years, We've certainly, we've all seen people afraid, afraid of all kinds of things. When, when people hear the words from their employer or their manager or their uh, supervisor that the job is kind of iffy right now and it's not, it's unpredictable whether you're going to have a job, many times you'll start feeling that sense of fear. It turns into concern, over concern, which kind of goes the direction of anxiety and stress, doesn't it? It's a fear, but in reality as a believer, as a man and woman of God, who's your source? Who's our source? It's not our employer, although we get paid and it pays for things that provide sustenance for us to live. That's all important, but ultimately, ultimately, God is our source. God is our source. And so we put our faith and we put our trust in him. And Jesus is telling this man, the first thing he says is, hey, there is no fear here. It's gone. I've eradicated fear. That's what Jesus is saying. When you're walking with the Lord, there is no fear. You don't, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. You don't have to be afraid. What's the worst thing that could happen? To you or I. Well, most people would say, well, you, I might die. Is that really the worst thing that could happen if you're saved, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because what that means in its very basic essence is if you die, you are literally transported to eternity in heaven. Perfection. 
I haven't personally met anybody who's come back. I don't think they want to. Asphalt, you know what asphalt is? In heaven is gold. It's a perfect place. And so the worst thing that can happen to a believer is, is really not the worst thing in our human way of thinking. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear negative reports. Jesus is saying, I've eradicated fear. And then Jesus says the most amazing words to this individual. The most amazing words he says to this individual is your sins are forgiven. That's number three. Jesus says your sins are forgiven. The first time I heard that, that I heard it was when I got saved. You've heard my testimony. I say it all the time. It was during the Jesus movement. There's a movie out called Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I was there. That's when I was introduced to Christ. We look back now, we say that, that was a revival. It was legitimate. It's a revival. Folks, I want to tell you, there's a revival going on right now, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a minute. I'd been in church before, may have heard the gospel, but on that Saturday evening in the 70s, that was the first time my spirit heard the gospel. That's the first time I was tentative to the gospel. I heard the gospel. I heard that God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for me that if I believed in him, I would not perish but have everlasting life. What I don't always tell people in my testimony, you want to hear the inside scoop now? Everybody's on the edge of their seat. Listen, what I don't always tell people is the first time I heard the gospel at that event on a Saturday night, I was sitting in the back. The place was packed. It was the first time I'd ever been in a, a, a non-Catholic church. Because listen, I don't know how, what the thought process is now, but back then, if you were Catholic, you didn't go anywhere but a Catholic church. Okay? I don't know if that still applies. But I, it was weird. Because people were happy. They were smiling. I don't mean any disrespect. I don't, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I don't mean any disrespect. But they were, there was something. There was something I, last week I used the term vibe. There was a vibe, but I net recognized now. It wasn't a vibe. It was the Holy Spirit. I'm sitting in the back. I heard the gospel. The pastor gave an opportunity to pe people to come forward. The first time I'd ever heard that, have seen that, or experienced it. To come forward to receive salvation. He said there's only heaven and there's hell. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You must be saved. And he says, come to the altar to get saved. Hundreds of people came forward. This is what I don't tell people. I couldn't get out of my seat. I couldn't get out of my seat. I was stuck to my seat. I wanted to go. I needed to go. I desperately wanted to go forward. I couldn't get out of my seat. They closed the service. I never made it forward. That next week, I was miserable. It was horrible. Now, that was back in the day. It was eons ago that kids actually played outside. <laughs> and I remember we, we, did every, I never, we never were home. We were always playing outside. And we played pickle. We played ball, all kinds of, oh, on our bikes outside. And so I'm outside, I'm a young teenager playing with my friends and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if a car comes down the street and I get hit, I'm going to go to hell. I knew I was going to go to hell. If something happened to me, I knew I was going to go to hell. 
because of what the pastor said. And I believed him. I did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I was walking on eggshells all week like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm looking both ways before I go across the street. I was miserable. See, I haven't told that part of the story. I went back that next Saturday night. I can't even tell you what the pastor said. I, it didn't matter to me because I was like positioning myself, you know. It was like I needed, I wanted to launch. Now, when I look back now, I couldn't get out of my seat that first night. I couldn't. I, I tried. I was like, somebody was holding me down. I wonder who that was. Somebody was holding me down. I couldn't get out of my seat. I look back now as spiritual warfare. The enemy didn't want me to get saved. Maybe, maybe, he's not omniscient, but maybe, maybe he had an idea about me telling people about Jesus, and he, didn't, he wasn't in that. He didn't want to have anything to do with that. I don't know, maybe, but there was spiritual warfare going on. I didn't know how to describe it, articulate it, communicate it, but I look back now and that's what was going on. That next week, I positioned myself. I heard the gospel. I pushed off my seat. I think I was one of the first ones down and I accepted Christ. It was very real and my life's never been better. Amen. My sins were forgiven. And the word that Jesus uses to this paralytic, I mean, they brought this man to get healed. And Jesus says, be encouraged. And they're kind of like looking at each other. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. And they say, well, that's pretty good, but he needs to be healed too. But listen, what's, what do you think is better, to be healed or have your sins forgiven? Hoo-hoo! Hallelujah. And, and the language that Jesus uses, I, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the word. But what it means, check this out, this is huge. What it means is driving away or doing away with. And, and the thought is found simply in Psalm 103, verse 12. I have it on the screen, you can see it. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That's what God does to your sin. Did you know that Jesus took on all of our sin on the cross? He took it all on, all of it, say all. Jesus took all of our sin on the cross, past, present, and future, all of our sin on the cross. And what did He do with it? As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed it. They're never going to meet. They're never going to touch. They're never going to be revealed. God doesn't remember them. He chooses to forget them. Psalm 103.12, powerful verse. Missionaries in northern Alaska, my, I'm the youngest. My oldest sister really evangelized our whole family. Debbie, if you're watching, I love you. She told our whole family about Jesus. We thought she was whacked. <laughs> Turn it off right now, Debbie. I don't want you to hear that. <laughs> because we just weren't there. But she really evangelized and, and modeled for us the Christian walk. I'm the youngest, Debbie's the oldest, in the middle is Kim. Kim, if you're watching, I love you. Kim's a missionary in Alaska. That's where she is right now. I like warm weather, that's why I'm in Southern California. 
missionaries in northern Alaska, they were translating the Bible into the language of the Eskimos, and they discovered there was no word in the Eskimo language for the word forgiveness. There was no word in their language for forgiveness. And, and after much patient listening, they discovered a word that means not being able to think about it anymore. There was a word in the Eskimo language that meant not being able to think about it anymore. Think about it. No, 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 don't think about it. That would save a lot of marriages, huh? Not being able to think about it anymore. So they used that word to translate the scriptures to the Eskimo people. And it's a word that represents to them forgiveness. Look what the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 31, 34. He says, I will forgive their iniquity. This is the Lord talking. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Say no more. God chooses to remember your sin no more. That's huge. I love how John MacArthur frames what's going on here. He says, the best news anyone can receive in the Word is that their sins are forgiven. That's the best news. When Jesus spoke these words to the paralytic, he must have tasted, check, listen to this. He must have tasted the bitterness and agony of Calvary, knowing that the words could be effective only because he would take that man's sins upon himself. Every time Jesus forgave sin, he knew and anticipated the cost. Oh, I love my Lord. Oh, I love my Savior. He's forgiven me of my sins. And you might be thinking, well, you're a pastor. You don't sin. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. You've forgiven our sins. You have forgiveness available. Jesus' power to forgive sins unfortunately, was questioned. It was questioned. Everything Jesus did was questioned. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was perfect. And yet, everything He did was questioned by the religious leaders. I, I shared with you last week, there is a revival going on right now. I shared with you that I've been tracking it, I've been watching it. You know, the Jesus Revolution is talking about a revival that took place in the late 60s into the mid-70s. And now there's uh, pockets of revival that uh, supposedly started at As Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky, and it's uh, Lee University, Baylor, it, just these different churches and colleges and universities being led by students, not being led by uh, anybody that anybody knows. It's just God's moving, and He's moving powerfully, and it's drawing these young people to salvation and the, the criteria for that and, and what's happening is very similar to what took place in the 70s, what I experienced. There was a, a, a tiredness of believing our authorities and, 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 and there was discord and there was division and there was chaos and there were wars and rumors of wars. 
during that time in the late 60s and 70s, Vietnam era. And now you look at that and you see the, the, it's synonymous with you know, the saber rattling of nuclear war and banks are now closed. And we had a major bank in California that shut down and they're talking about other banks closing and a, and a stock market crash. And you know, you're thinking, no, 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 Pastor Steve, don't say that, don't say that. But listen, people just start talking about it. That's the power of words. They just start talking about it and posting things, and before you know it, it happens. And so we live in a time of chaos and uncertainty, much like the time I was a teenager. And the answer is a revival. And folks, I want to tell you, revival is here. And yet people question it. I've read all the critiques about the current revival that's taking place, and it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me in the slightest because it's that same spirit of criticism that criticized Jesus and everything that he did. It was the Pharisees, that pharisaical spirit. And they, here's what they said. This man blasphemes because they understood as Jewish priests and knowing the Scriptures that only God can forgive sin. So who is this man whose name is Jesus saying to this paralytic that his sins are forgiven. Who, how does he have the right to do that when that's an attribute that only God manifests? And they were right. Kind of. Only God can forgive sins. They stood right in front of God in human flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. But every miracle that Jesus did, their hearts got harder and harder and harder. I mean, they saw, they witnessed, they experienced, they heard the stories, and yet their hearts grew deeper and deeper in unbelief. I want to get to the forensics. You know what forensics are? It's that deep study, debate, discussion, arguing. The forensics of what took place with this paralytic. Look with me at verse 4 of chapter 9. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what those religious leaders were thinking. He was omniscient, all-knowing. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were thinking. So he asked, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? That's a rhetorical question, which I don't think they answered. Okay. And Jesus says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man, capital S, capital M, signifying deity, that Jesus is God, that's his title, Son of Man, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. They knew only God for, could forgive sins. And Jesus just said to this man who was paralyzed, your sins are forgiven. But here's what he does next. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. That's awesome. That's the forensics of what took place. Jesus presented to them, what's easier, for me to forgive his sins or to heal him? And I'm sure they're thinking, oh man, I mean, only God could do both. I'm, you're right on that. Only God can do both. And that's exactly what God did. And that's Jesus' response. Get up. Pick up your mat. And go home. Go home. Tell your family. Go rejoice. Take your wife for a spin. 
Bounce your kids on your knee. Go enjoy the life, the abundant life I've given you. I love what Luke says in Acts. It's the second half of the Gospel of Luke. The second book, Acts, is Acts chapter 10, verse 38. In a paraphrase called the message, I love what it says. It says, then Jesus arrived. I have it on the screen. He arrives from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. Church, are we ready for action? I mean, come on. How many Bible studies, how many messages do we have to hear before we start living this stuff right here? Jesus is ready for action. He went through the country helping people. That's what God's called us to do as a church. And healing everyone. I don't, I don't know if your version says, well, he healed one in ten. He healed those who came to him with no sin. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. He heals everyone who was beaten down by the devil. That's what the devil wants to do. He healed everyone beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all this because God was with him. And then I'm going to end with this. Jesus, Jesus, and only Jesus, has the power to free us. Jesus has power to free us. Look at the last few verses. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. He said, stand up, pick up your mat, go home. And the man jumped up and he went home. Here's what happened. Here's the reaction. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they praised God for giving humans such authority. They praised God because of the the authority they saw in Jesus Christ. At a fairly young age, I started surfing. And, you know, when you're learning how to surf, typically you just get out there. You paddle out there. That's the big thing. If you can get out there, that's a good thing. And then you try to catch waves. And normally when you're a beginner, you just go straight and you're, they call it riding a whitewash, Okay. That's after the wave breaks and you just, you're going straight. And I remember one time I was learning, my buddy with me, and he was way out, you know, 50 feet in front of me, and I'm going straight at him. And he goes, I had his mouth wide open, and the end of my board just pegged him right in the mouth. I couldn't turn. So I, I learned he was okay. He was okay. He was okay. Um, but you start learning, you start to learn, and that's when you really start riding the wave, where you, you catch it, you catch the swell, and you're sitting out there, and you're waiting for swells, and you begin to uh, calibrate the, the sets of waves. They come in in sets, and, and not all the waves are the same size. So you, the longer you're out there, you learn that no, number two or three is usually the nar largest wave of the set, and you're sitting out there. We had a term for guys that sat out there. They had long blonde hair. I had long blonde hair too from the bleach, you know, from the sun bleaching it and stuff. But there were guys out there, out there with me sometimes that, that uh, sat on their board. And that's all they did. They'd sit on their board. They looked cool. We called them ho-dads. I don't know if they still use that term, ho-dads. And I, I hope that's not a dirty word. But in, a, in another language, I hope it's not a dirty word. But that's what we call them. And... Um, but you, you catch the swell. And folks, I want to tell you, there's an art to catching the swell. It, it, you'd learn 
at what set, at what wave, and you, you start paddling and you catch that swell. And you know, initially you go to your knees when you're learning, but eventually you just go straight to your feet and you ride the wave. You cut right or you cut left, and there's different things you can do depending on how skilled you are once you learn and get acclimated, you get used to. A by the way, the word acclimated is not a word I used when I was a teach teenager, but uh, we just ride in waves. And um, there's a wave. The swells are coming of revival. And you can ride the wave. By the way, when you're riding waves, and I still believe this, there, there's a euphoric feeling. It's nothing better than riding waves. It, it's totally different than body surfing. Doesn't even. Somebody asked me the other day, did you body surf or boogie board? No, I never did. I don't think I did. Maybe a couple times, but there's nothing like surfing. You're standing up on top of the wave. You're going down the side of the face of the wave. Probably the cl closest thing is riding a Harley. <laughs> and I told Randy just because he was sitting there, and I wanted him to feel good too about this whole thing. But it's got to be, you know, I've been in the plane with Randy, but there's, there's a difference between sitting in a plane and piloting. And you pro I'm sure you get that same euphoric feeling, you know. It's good therapy, right? That's what I'm talking about. There is a wave. It's a wave of revival. Folks, it's here. It's here. It's here. It's right here. It's happening, and it's happening across the country. It's happening across the globe. There's a revival. You can catch the wave and ride it for all it's worth. You can get tubed and just experience the blessing of this wave of revival or not. You can sit on the sidelines and watch it. Maybe they'll make a movie about it in 20 years. Say, oh, I was there, but I didn't, I wasn't part of it. You can be a part of it. One of the things that I think are uh, happening in past revivals, things that I've studied, witnessed myself, is, is there... There are certain things that happen during a time of revival. There's a, an acute awareness of sin and repentance. There's a, a, a passion to want other people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ because you really do believe that there is a heaven and a hell. And, and, there, and then there's a stirred passion to, want to tell others about Jesus, experience God. A lot of times during revival, uh, the move of the Holy Spirit is powerful. People are getting healed and delivered and set free like what we read about today. Folks, I don't know if I said this already, but revival is here. The swells are coming. And one of the ways you can catch a swell with me on this is to start telling people, hey, revival's here. There is an answer to your marriage. There is an answer to your financial trap. There is an answer to your health issues. It's Jesus Christ, and it's in revival. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this day that we are in. You have brought us here for such a day as this, for such a time as this. God, we've been praying for revival. Lord, we've been praying for revival. And it's here. It's here. It's right here. And Lord, we recognize it. And God, we pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something as your heads are bowed. I want you to think about someone that you know that needs Jesus. 
someone that you know that needs a touch from God. I want you to think about who that might be. It may be somebody you don't even know that you'll meet this week, but I think for most of you, you're thinking of someone right now, maybe even a few people, maybe possibly even a family. I want you to think about them right now, and I'm going to ask you, would you make a commitment to allow God to use you this week, this week, this week. It might be one person. It could be three people. It may be a whole family. But would you make a commitment right now in prayer that God would use you to tell somebody, tell somebody your story. Tell somebody what happened to you when you got saved. Tell somebody a story about how God healed you, touched you, moved in your life. Be acutely aware of those around you. Wait for that holy moment and look for it. It's there. It'll be there this week. God will put somebody in your path. Somebody will call you. Somebody will text you. Somebody will reach out on Messenger. God's going to put somebody in your path this week and you're going to have an opportunity to speak life to them. Tell them something about Jesus, what God's done in your life. Will you make a commitment to be faithful to recognize that holy moment, that holy moment in prayer right now. Would you do that? But I'm going to ask you to do one more thing because I believe faith is more than just a, a noun. It's a verb. It's an action. There is someone you know that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. They've stopped coming to church. Maybe they've never been to church. Would you stand for that person? Would you come to the front in just a moment after we pray? Would you stand? Asking two things. God, I need revival in my life. And Lord, use me as I ride the wave of revival to tell others, to, to impact others through my life. Father, I pray right now for everyone who would make a commitment this morning, those who are watching online, those who are in the courtyard, in the sanctuary, throughout the facility here, those who would make a commitment, God, that you'd move in our life, empower us to be fearless, to be loving, to be gracious, to be used by you. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Would you stand to your feet? If you're in the courtyard, you can stand to your feet if possible. And, and those of you who made a commitment this morning and you desire to stand for someone that needs the Lord and that you're willing that God would use you to encourage that individual, it might be more than one person, it could be an entire family, but you're willing for God to use you, empower you. See, you don't want to just speak what you know. You want the Holy Spirit to guide your words it's timing, it's a holy moment, and you desire that, I want you to come and stand at the altar right now. Come and stand at the altar. If you're out in the courtyard, stand where you are and just stand in front of the screen right now. You can stand in front of the screen. Amen. Move up as close as you can. There's a lot of folks are coming forward. You know, if each one of you represents one person, that's amazing, that could hear the gospel this week or get blessed or hear words of encouragement, better yet, words of life. But each one of you, if each one of you represented a family, just think of the impact that you could have this week. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Are there any others?
you can't make it up here, just stand in the center aisle. Amen. We're going to pray for two things. Right now, we're going to pray for two things. We're going to ask God to just endow upon us an awareness of who He wants us to talk to this week. Again, it could be a neighbor, a friend, a family member. It could be somebody on social media that you've developed a relationship with. Think outside the box. We're going to pray for that awareness and the ability to be faithful to not just, okay, I recognize it, but do something. Open your mouth. Type something, whatever, however you're communicating. The second thing we're going to pray for is that God would anoint each one of us to ride this wave of revival. That it would change you. It would change your family dynamics. It would draw you closer to the Lord. That's what we're going to pray. You ready? Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you. Your word tells us when two or more are gathered together in your name, Jesus, that if we ask anything, you'll do it. God, we know that's truth. We also know that those are things that we ask for that pertain to your will. We also know it's your will because we see it and we read it in your word that none should perish. You desire, you love everyone, everyone, and you desire that everyone has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But Lord, first we ask right now that you would give us a supernatural, all of us here, a supernatural awareness of that moment, that divine encounter this week where we say, okay, this is it, this is it. I, uh, yeah, we prayed, I stood, I, I, yeah, this is it. This is the person, this is the time. Now, Lord, now once, it, just that awareness is not enough. God, we ask that you would anoint our speech, our timing, the grace that is heard, the tone in our voice, in our typing, whatever, how, however we communicate. Lord, I pray that you would anoint that friends, family, neighbors, they would come to you. That, that, that seed would be planted. It would be germinated, Lord, Holy Spirit. Germinate that. Use us. Now, Lord, we come to you and we ask that you, as, this, as these swells are coming in, Lord, uh, help us to ride the swell, Lord. We don't want to wipe out in the whitewash uh, we don't get, want to be caught up in the seaweed. Lord, we want to ride that wave and get a long ride of, of revival in our hearts personally, Lord. So we ask right now, I pray for the spirit of revival on each person here, that it would flow not only in us, but out of us. And you say, thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we say thank you, Jesus? Because the Bible says where two or more are gathered together, there's more than two here. Where two or more are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So there are more than two of us. We asked. God, it's done. Can you say it's done? It's done. Now, this week, it might even start today. By the way, today is the first day of the week, so it could start today. You're going to recognize and be aware there's going to be a, a holy moment. This is it. You're going to, you're, you're just going to, this is it. This is it. And God's going to give you the words and the tone 
the timing and what to say. Amen. Go ahead and go back to your seat. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I'm going to close in prayer with a caveat. With And there's more. You need to pick up your kids. If you got kids, go pick them up. There's going to be a meeting starting here in a little bit for Awanas. Uh, those who are desirous to be a part of the leadership of Awanas, they have a luncheon. They're going to be meeting in here, so we have to turn this into a meeting room. But uh, So what I want to do now is close in prayer, but this is my close because I made a promise to the Lord. And you, many of you know what I'm going to say now. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, if let me just ask it this way. If you were to, I hope this doesn't happen, but if you're saved, it's a good thing. But if you're not, it's not. If you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven or not? If there's any doubt at all, any doubt at all, you have to give your heart to Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can be saved. It's not any other way. I was going to name off all, a bunch of prophets and different philosophies. It's none of that. It's Jesus. Pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe everything about you. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I call upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, you're out in the courtyard or you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time, you can see the word up there. Text the word pray to the number you see up there or fill out a connection card. If you're actually here, fill out that card or you can text the word pray to the number you see there and that'll start a process. I want to encourage you. If you need a Bible, you don't have a Bible, if you need a Bible, I have a New Believer's Bible I'd love to give to you today. I'm going to hang around if you need some prayer. I'm going to ask some of the leaders, uh, maybe Jeff and Linda if you're available, or Rob and Linda if you're available, um, and Randy and Cindy if you're available. I'll just be around to pray for you. Now here's the interesting dynamic. I'm running long. We've got to set up for a meeting, but we're also going to open up the front if you need some prayer. Does that sound fair? Okay. And the praise team's going to kind of play too at the same time. So it's, it's orderly chaos. God bless you.